And welcome on in to CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey here with you on this Thursday evening. Welcome. Appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday. We are 20 minutes right now from getting Week 10 underway. Panthers, Bears, don't worry. If you can't watch the game, we got you updated. Come on, don't, we got you. We got everything you need. We got sports talk, hopefully a little entertainment. We'll keep you updated on the score as well. And not a great game to begin with. But hey, nonetheless, it's NFL football, so we'll keep you updated as we go along. We got you covered. If you're driving, if you're just chilling, thanks for making us a part of your night. And don't worry, we got your back. All right. So because also Week 10 is the unofficial point, or really the, the halfway point of the season now as you kind of get geared up for the second half of the year, this is also a popular time where a lot of fan bases call for this, but few teams in the NFL can actually do it. That's tanking. You hear, I'm sure this week, the T word being thrown around a lot. We can't win another game. We got to tank, 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 tank. We got to lose, man. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Michael Penix Jr. We need to get the top one, two, three picks in the draft here. We can't win another game. There are way more fan bases thrown around the T word right now this week than there should be. So I figured, you know, let me do this now. There's about... Nine fan bases that I've seen on social media that could make the case, hey, look, we can't win another game. Losing is in our best interest the rest of the season. But I want to explain why out of those nine teams, only four actually would benefit from tanking. So let's play a little game to tank or not to tank. All right, let's start. With the New England Patriots going to Germany, they are 2-7 and seven on the season. Should they tank or should they not tank? The answer is tank. Tank, 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 tank. The Patriots would benefit from not winning another game this season. Their biggest issue right now of why they're 2-7, and seven, of why Bill Belichick is going to get fired at the end of the year, is lack of talent. Coaching stinks. I think the coaching has been a problem this year. But the number one right now problem in New England is lack of talent. There's just not a lot of good players there. And the best way to fix that, right, is by getting high picks in each round. You get the number one overall pick, number two overall pick, number three overall pick. Even if it's not a quarterback, you still get the best wide receiver in Marvin Harrison Jr. if you're up there in the top three. You still get the best tackle in the draft or the best defensive lineman or the best corner. Like, the Patriots could use upgrades. I mean, at almost every position, especially offensively. Like, there was, like, I was kind of going through the roster the other day. Out of the 11 positions on offense, I would argue, like, maybe three? Three of the 11 positions, you could argue the starters should be back next season? The offense needs a major overhaul. And so... You get a high pick. I don't care what position it is. You just need legitimate talent on this team. And that's why I don't think the Patriots have anything to play for. Like I think at this point, it's pretty well cemented. Bill Belichick's time in New England is coming to an end. So it's not like the players are playing for his job. I think it's already been cemented. I think Robert Kraft has made up his mind. I think he's going to go in a new direction this offseason. So you're not playing for Bill's job. You're not playing for Mac's job. He stinks. Mac Jones is not very good. So you're not you know, trying to... 
play well to keep him as a quarterback for 2024 and beyond. Patriots have nothing to play for. There is no benefit for them to win another game this season. So you're climbing forward, Patriots fans. I think you get it. You should tank. That is in your best interest. How about the Tennessee Titans? Three and five on the year. Should they tank or not tank? Answer is no tank. You heard the you heard the man, the voice. Heard what he said. I I'm taking everything he says seriously. I think he's right. No tank. The rest of this season, even though I think you're out of the playoff picture and out of the division picture at three and five, the rest of the season needs to be dedicated to finding out if Will Levis is the guy. And the only way you find that out is if you play to win and you give him a chance to succeed. And you can't try to judge Will Levis on if he's going to be your next franchise quarterback or not by tying one hand behind his back because you are not, you know, you're sitting Derrick Henry and you traded DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I really thought, yeah, everything I was going to say, this everything's blending together. Last week was the trade deadline, right? Last Tuesday. I thought the Titans made a mistake in keeping DeAndre Hopkins and keeping Ryan Tannehill and keeping Derrick Henry on their team because I don't really foresee at least two out of the three on the roster next season. But I will say, now that Will Levis has officially been named by Mike Vrabel, the starter for the rest of the season, keeping Hopkins and keeping Henry makes sense because now you are giving Will Levis a chance to succeed. You are giving him real weapons and see what he can do with them. You're not stripping the offense down and basically saying, hey, Go make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what. He now has some legitimate talent to at least show if he is good enough to be counted on as the Titans starter in 2024 or if they have to go in another direction. Like, if you're Tennessee, right, again, you're 3-5. and five, I think your playoff hopes are done and your division hopes are done. But with that said, I, if I'm Tennessee, would rather go 7-10 and 10 and have Will Levis play well and give me hope for the future Versus rip it down, tank it up, and go 3-14 and 14 and have a high pick in next year's draft. I'd rather find out what I have right now in Will Levis. That means not tanking, and that means giving him an opportunity to succeed. How about the Raiders? Now, they're weird record-wise. They're 4-5, and five, but, I mean, this season has just been an absolute disaster. Obviously, culminating last week at the firing of Josh McDaniels and their GM, Dave Zeigler. And now, all of a sudden, Antonio Pierce has these boys rallied up. That's why, for me, at 4-5... and five, the answer to tank or not tank is no tank. No tank. If you're Mark Davis, you can't make the same mistake twice. You had to fire John Gruden right after his disgusting emails that he sent that used a lot of slurs and offended a lot of people. All right, fine. What happened? You move on and you hire Josh McDaniels afterwards despite the fact that you are at least able to make the um, make the playoffs of Rich Basaccia, seemingly like having the entire team round around, uh, rally around Basaccia in the offseason, players wanting Basaccia to get the full-time job, then you kind of spit on him and say, yeah, we're bringing in Joshua Daniels. Don't worry about it. Players loved Basaccia. They played for him. They made the playoffs. He had a good interim coach. He let go. And now Mark Davis and the Raiders are paying the price for it. If you are Mark Davis, you cannot make the same mistake twice. Can Antonio Pierce coach? I have no idea. I like what he says in press conferences. He motivates me, you know, just as a, a layman here. If I was listening to his words, I'd be fired up to get out, out of bed every morning. 
the way he kind of talks with the energy and, and enthusiasm and motivational platitudes he speaks with. And the one game he coached, the Raiders dominated a bad Giants team, looked pretty damn good. Players are having fun. So I have no idea if Antonio Pierce can coach. But that is your job the rest of the season. You have eight games left. The rest of your season is dedicated to solely finding out, can Antonio Pierce be the full-time head coach of this team or not? You're going to have questions at quarterback. And you got to figure out, is Jimmy Garoppolo coming back? Is Aiden O'Connell anything? Are we going to keep Devontae Adams? And are we going to keep Max Crosby? Are you going to go for a fire sale? That's, I think, questions you can answer once you figure out who the head coach is going to be. The rest of the season has to be figuring out and defining, is Antonio Pierce our head coach? And the best way to find that out, again, is by giving him a chance to win here and giving him a chance to succeed, not having him coach with one hand tied behind his back. Raiders, no tank. How about oh boy, a team the Raiders just smoked? The New York Giants. Two and seven on the year. This is an easy one. I think we can all say it and use it. All right, I'm going to count down to three. We'll all say what we're going to say. Should the, should the Giants tank or not? Let's hear the answers. Three, two, one. Tank. Let's fire up the engines right now. Rev up those engines and drive that tank into the ground right now if you're the Giants. You have literally, literally nothing to play for the rest of the year. Daniel Jones. Out for the rest of the season. You're starting quarterback. Terod Taylor, out. Your backup quarterback. You are starting this week, Tommy DeVito, who two weeks ago against the Jets, you were petrified to allow him to even attempt a forward pass. You weren't even trusting in your third-string quarterback to get under center, get the ball, and throw it forward. Brian Dable literally treated Tommy DeVito as if you or I were dropped in the middle of a game and had to play quarterback for the Giants. That's how little trust he had. You have nothing to play for for your New York. You have no benefit to winning any game going forward. The Giants, the rest of the season, they should have pictures on their wall of Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the guy you got to target. And you got to get high up there. Look at tonight. Bears-Panthers. Bears have the Panthers, right? First round pick. There's a chance with the Bears being two and seven that Chicago holds the first and second overall picks. If I'm Chicago, if I'm Ryan Poles and I have the number one and number two overall pick, easy. Don't even think about it. As soon as the season ends and that's officially locked in, I would walk up to Roger Goodell right now and give him my draft cards. Number one, Caleb Williams. Number two, Marvin Harrison Jr. Not even a question. Let's go. Number three, you're on the clock. If you're the Giants, you got to get high up there. Number three, maybe even number two, to get Marvin Harrison Jr. And the Giants need a receiver. Look, they are not getting out of Daniel Jones' contract. I know it's been a big discussion this week. Unfortunately, he's out for the year with an ACL coming off of the first season, which he got paid by the Giants. But they move on from him. They cut him. They trade him. That's $70 million against the cap next year. They are not moving off of Daniel Jones in 2024, not to mention... The guy's in a, a torn uh, ACL. He might miss the start of next year. Who's trading for a quarterback with $120 million in, on his contract who is coming off of an ACL tear? Nobody. So any Giants fans out there right now that have this dream of drafting Caleb Williams or Drake May, wake up.
That dream ain't coming to reality. Marvin Harrison Jr. This Giants offense needs talent. They have one weapon and one weapon only. Saquon Barkley. You need receivers. You need to give, whether it's Daniel, I mean, it's going to be Daniel Jones next year, but whether you draft a quarterback after that, I don't think he's very good, Daniel Jones, so I think they'll move off of him sooner rather than later, but sooner not being before 2024. You need legit weapons. That offense stinks. The line is terrible. The receivers are bad. Get Brian Dable, an offensive mind here, some weapons to play with, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is the guy, and that's why if you're the Giants at 2-7, and seven, you cannot, cannot win another game. No benefit. This is a shocking one in terms of fan bases wanting to lose, wanting to tank. The Green Bay Packers, 3-5 and five on the season. I'll ask, should they tank? Uh, uh, uh. No tank. No tank. You want to know why? If you're Green Bay, you have to figure out what Jordan Love is. Is he the guy or is he not the guy? And again, like Will Levis with the Titans, that only happens if you play to win. Do I get Herm Edwards in here? Hello? You play to win the game. The Packers, these last nine games, should only be focused on if Jordan Love can play. Can he be your 2024 starter? Or do you got to go somewhere else? I don't see how intentionally blowing it up and tanking the rest of this year benefits or, or helps you find out that answer. No tank for the Panthers. See what Jordan Love is. With that said, for the Bears at 2-7, and seven, no tank for them either. Look, if you're the Bears, two things. Number one, you get the Panthers' first-round pick. You beat them tonight. You keep them at one win. You improve your odds of getting the number one overall pick. So no matter how many games you win this season, you still have a chance to get the top pick in the draft. So that's one reason why the Bears don't have to tank at 2-7 and seven and can still try to play to win. I think the other reason is they have to market Justin Fields. I don't think Fields is going to be back next year in Chicago. I do think, whether it's with their own pick or with the Panthers' first-round pick, Chicago is taking a quarterback in the draft. So at this point, if you're the Bears, I know he's not playing tonight. He's still out with that thumb injury. Tyson Bajant will start for Chicago here. But when Fields returns, whether it's next week, two weeks from now, you got to get his trade value up. Right now, it's in the toilet. You play him. You have him play well. Even if it means you win a few games, and now all of a sudden, you win five games. You're 5-12, and 12, and you're picking seventh instead of maybe third or second. I still think it's worth it. Because you can get some, I mean, what? Is it crazy to say right now for a quarterback three years out of college and Justin Fields that you could get a second-round pick back for his services and a team take a chance on him? I don't think it's crazy. So you can load up right now on draft capital. You can regain possibly that second-round pick you gave up to the commanders to go get Montez Sweat. And you still have the benefit of still getting the first overall pick by having the Panthers continue to lose. You play to win the game. Thank you, Herm. Bears, you play to win the game. With that said, Panthers, same thing. One and seven. There is no reason for the Panthers to tank. They don't have their first or second round pick. What's the incentive to lose? There is none. Not that the Panthers, I think we're talking about tanking a lot, but there is literally no reason, no benefit for them to lose any game on purpose the rest of the year. You got Bryce Young. It's all about development with Bryce Young. All right, we got two teams left here. Tank. Or not tank. Rams three and six. They got a tank, man. 
They got to hit the button, eject this season, and go down. This era feels up for them. Like Matthew Stafford banged up, kind of story his career. Aaron Donald's future's up in the air. Like this team that they kind of barely brought back from the one that won the Super Bowl two years ago, it feels like that era of the Rams, the F them picks era, if you will, is over. If you're the Rams now, you got it. You have your own picks. Keep them. Now it's how can we get now a high pick? And the higher pick you get, I think you should and will draft a quarterback. And I think that also, another guy who flirted with retirement, Sean McVay, I think it kind of keeps him around. I think McVay, McVay needs a new challenge. I think that new challenge is for the first time getting a chance in the draft process to draft his guy out of college, right? When he was hired, Jared Goff was already there. He traded for Matthew Stafford, a veteran. This would be the first time in McVay's you know, head coaching career he could mold and draft a guy that he wants and develop him at his speed, his pace. That, I think, would keep McVay intrigued and still, you know, wanting to be a head coach and put these retirement rumors to bed. Rams, tank. No incentive to win another game this season is over. I think this era for them is over. Finally, Cardinals 1-8. Come on, tank. Tank it up, buddy. Even with Kyler Murray coming back, no incentive for them to win another game this season. At this point, you've just got to hope that Caleb Williams has the Joe Burrow effect. Come into a downtrodden organization and just by their sheer presence alone, turn them around. You're not saving Kyler Murray's career in Arizona. That is all but finished. Now the only question is who's going to trade for him and what are they going to give up? But losing every game, you're 1-8. and eight. You're already right now the have pole position for the first overall pick. Losing every game the rest of the year would be a big benefit to the Arizona Cardinals. So nine fan bases, as we sit here halfway through the NFL season, have talked about tanking, have threw the T-word out, have said, damn it, we should tank. Only four, though, in reality. The Cardinals, the Rams, the Giants, the Patriots. Those are the only four teams that would benefit from not winning another game this season. To tank or not to tank? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Which teams should hit the tank button? Which teams should still play out the string? We'll get your thoughts also when we do return. This Sunday in the NFL, I'm deeming it Separation Sunday. Five games will help us separate contenders from pretenders. We'll discuss which games and who will be Revealed as frauds next, it's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. We are back with you. Thank you for making us a part of your Thursday. If you miss any part of the show up to this point or, unfortunately, about to leave us soon, check out the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. That is where you can find every hour of this show and anytime I am on CBS Sports Radio right in that podcast feed right there, plus bonus materials, college football picks, different thoughts on different, you know, sports news going on, also uploaded there throughout the week, so make sure you check it out, Hick at Night Podcast, subscribe, night spelled, N-I-T-E. Three minutes into the first quarter here between Bears and Panthers, we've had zero points, one punt, and a third down conversion by Bryce Young, so right now Carolina with the ball, second down and 11 in their own territory, about their own 30-yard line. So still a long way to go here. 
Bears are wearing their uh, their alternate orange jerseys with their alternate orange helmets. Clean look. Love that look by Chicago. I'm glad they brought the orange helmets. I think that was last year was the addition. They wore the orange helmets for the first time when the NFL allowed um, alternate helmets to be debuted. It is a clean look. I'm a big uniform geek. Chicago looking clean. Not playing it, but at least looking good. So far, again, deadlocked at zero. Panthers, Bears, four minutes into the first quarter. We will keep you updated on that. But that game's not very good, right? And look, three wins combined with these two teams. Let's look at some real games. Five games, I think, on Sunday. Call on Sunday, separation Sunday. So we're going to see five games really help define and help separate the contenders from the pretenders. The game with the biggest impact, the one I'm most excited for, 49ers-Jaguars. The team with the most to benefit is Jacksonville. Because right now, for me at least, I don't have Jacksonville in that Super Bowl contender tier. Right? If you want to break teams up, playoff team, could win a playoff game, are they like a Super Bowl contender? Right now, the Jaguars are not in that category. Because they haven't earned the right to be. I was bullish like many. Right? A lot of people were optimistic on Jacksonville with how last year ended going to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, that they were on the up and up. So far, though, they have not played like it. Like, your record to me doesn't indicate if you are a Super Bowl contender or not. They're 6-2. and Second-best record in the AFC. That would, again, on paper suggest, oh, wow, they got to be in the Super Bowl contender category if you're one of the best records in the conference. But right now, their best win is over the Bills, and right now, Buffalo is 5-4, and four. And if the playoffs started today, is out of the playoff picture. They're not one of the top seven teams in the AFC right now. So it's a good win, I think, with the history of the Bills recently, but not a good win in terms of how good the Bills have been so far this year. And the best team they faced, the one challenge they've had, it was against the Chiefs. That offense stunk. They lost 17-9, to didn't score an offensive touchdown. Trevor Lawrence didn't look very good. And that's another reason why right now they've not earned their way into the Super Bowl contender category Trevor Lawrence has not played very well. Outside of the first half of the first game, when Calvin Ridley was involved and that offense had a lot of weapons, like they've not been explosive. They, they have not reached the heights yet. I thought that they could. So I want to see how they play against the 49ers here. I'm not even saying win the game. If you are competing, if you lose 31-28 to the 49ers, that to me is enough to put the Jaguars in the Super Bowl contender category. I want to see, can you compete and go toe-to-toe with the best in the league? They were dominated and handled by the Chiefs earlier this season. This is your next big test here at home, off the bye. If you are a true Super Bowl contender, again, forget a win. I think you just compete and go toe-to-toe and have me feeling after this game like, wow, yeah, they're right on the level. Even if they don't win, they're on that level of the 49ers, which puts you in the category, in the tier of being a Super Bowl contender. Browns-Ravens, another separator in terms for the uh, for the Browns. Look, if you forget about being a playoff team, I think the Browns are fully entrenched in that discussion. But you got Deshaun Watson, right, to win a Super Bowl, to win multiple playoff games. This is a game on Sunday on the road in Baltimore against right now the team with the best record in the conference at 7 and 2. You got to win that game. Like, this is one where if you can beat the Ravens, you'll have me believing this team could do some damage come playoff time. Got to see from Deshaun Watson, he's been hurt, but also even when he's been healthy and out there, he's not looked very good whatsoever. You got Watson to win playoff games. You got Watson to win games like this. 
You want to convince me and you want to have me believe in that this is a Browns team with a great defense that could do some damage in the AFC playoffs this year? Win this game Sunday against the Ravens. I think Saints-Vikings, forget about Super Bowl uh, playoff contender, pretender. I think this is a playoff game. I think the winner of this game, Saints-Vikings, is guaranteed a playoff spot. Both right now currently hold a playoff berth with still half the season to go. But this tiebreaker is going to be massive. Vikings have a key tiebreaker right now over the Falcons who are knocking on the door in terms of being um, a playoff team. And if you're the Vikings, you can hold tiebreakers over your two biggest competitors in terms of getting a playoff spot in the Saints and the Falcons. You're sitting pretty with Josh Dobbs. And if you're the Saints, you win this game, I think you are locked into a playoff spot, whether it's it's winning the NFC South or getting one of, uh, or getting really at this point the seventh seed because I think the first six seeds in the NFC are locked up already. And you guarantee with that tiebreaker here, you are putting yourself in a playoff spot. So I'm looking at Saints-Vikings, playoff game. That is a playoff game where the winner, I think, is guaranteed a playoff spot when it's all said and done. Lions-Chargers is a game that if you're the Lions, like, forget about the Chargers. I think they're done. They're 4-4. Four and four. It's the same thing every year with them. A lot of talent. Never live up to it. If you're the Lions, forget about, again, being a playoff team here. Let's talk about winning multiple playoff games. You're a serious team. You go take care of business on the road against a talented but underachieving Chargers team. Like, you look now. This is a race to where... The one seed's probably out of, I don't think the Eagles are going to fall apart. So the one seed right now, the Eagles 8-1, and one, you're probably not getting that. But the two seed is just as important. You get two home playoff games. You have the 49ers come to your building. You have the Cowboys come to your building for that second round, uh, division round weekend. Huge. Lions have been tremendous so far this season. They have lived up to the hype, 6-2. and two. They're going to win their division. They're going to get a home playoff game. Now when it comes to doing some damage, you win a game you should win against the Chargers. All of a sudden, we're talking about being in the driver's seat for that two seed and meaning two home games at Ford Field. That's going to make the Lions a tough, tough outcome January. This is a game on Sunday you win if you are serious about getting the two seed. And finally, Commanders-Seahawks. This game is all about Washington. You need this game. Like This is a must-win game here if you are trying to remain in the playoff hunt. They are 4-5. and five. You look at NFL research and NFL statistics. If you move to 5-5, five and five, which the commanders would, right? Quick math here, they're 4-5 and five with the win. They'd be 5-5. Five and five. They have a 30% chance to make the playoffs. Not great, but if you lose and go to 4-6, and six, you got a 7% chance. So you could stay alive, still stay breathing here with a 7 spot that's open and available if you win this game. You lose, you're all but done. I think that all but closes the book on the Ron Rivera tenure in Washington. So this is a must-win game. This is basically virtually a playoff game for Washington, uh, playoff game here for the Commanders. Nice win uh, last week against the Patriots. Patriots aren't very good, but still a game that you made a play at the end. Shouldn't have come down to a play at the end, but anyway, it did. Sam Howell starting to kind of round into form and looking nice here. Win this game. Win this game. So it's separation Sunday for me. I think the, the, the team that can make the biggest statement here is the Jaguars going into that Super Bowl caliber tier, if you can compete, not win, but even just compete with the 49ers, you win. You're definitely in. You are definitely in. So separation Sunday here in the NFL, five games that should separate the contenders from the pretenders. When we return here on the show, all right, I think as fans, we are hypocritical. I want to use something Adam Silver said to point out 
that us as fans, we can't have it both ways. I'll explain why when we return. It's Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Ryan Hickey with you on CBS Sports Radio. A reminder, that is, you can stream the NFL on Westwood One. You ready for this? For free. Sponsored by AutoZone. All season long, you can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports. Or guess what? In the Odyssey app, which you should have already downloaded. It is free, folks. Get in the zone. AutoZone. AutoZone's free battery testing and charging is available for free at your local AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. If you're listening to me right here on CBS Sports Radio, Ryan Hickey with you. Thank you. Number two, don't worry. I got you covered with the game here. It is 7-0 Panthers over the Bears. No big, long offensive drive from Bryce Young. No quieting the critics that have been out and about so far through the first eight games of his career. Instead, a big-time punt return from Amir Smith-Marset. 79 yards to the house. As the Panthers open up the scoring and they take a 7-0 lead. So Tyson, Bajant, and Co. back on the field now for the Bears. Not have gotten a lot going so far um, on offense. But it's been that kind of game so far. Special teams. A punt return touchdown. And a lot of punts. That's what we wanted. That's what we signed up for. Thursday night football. I got a hot take for you here. And that's this. My friends are complaining about this earlier today. They hate having a bad Thursday night game as, again, on paper, Panthers, Bears is. I actually don't mind it. Like, of the three primetime slots, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, I love the most Thursday night football. New week. We haven't had football on in two days, so it's like, okay, good, we're back, baby. Like, let's go. And it's like kind of like a nice appetizer. I don't need the appetizer to the week to be the best part of the weekend. I don't want Dolphins-Chiefs on Thursday night football. The best matchup of the weekend should not be the one to start it off um, on a short week. I like the fact that they're starting off with games like, I think this is a perfect game. Because you can look at it this way. The game is on. You could be with friends. You could be out at a bar. Just be at home. You put the game on. Have it on the background. If it's good, okay, you could te- catch your attention. If it's bad, you know what? Tonight's a perfect night. Honey, what movie do you want to watch? You don't watch that show? Yeah, let's watch it. Who cares? Eh, Bears, Panthers, not that big of a deal. You can have it on the background, go on with life, not have to be glued to the TV. If it's a great game, awesome. If not, okay, you move on. It's still football. It's a nice little way to remind you that week 10 is here, and you get juiced up for a loaded college football slate on Saturday, and then get ready for us. I think, a, a separator Sunday here in the NFL. But I don't really need a, a Thursday night game to be good to get me excited. I'm happy NFL football is back. And it's just more of like, oh, this is a great game to have on in the background. Talk about it. Break it down. React to it. Maybe something crazy happens here. Cool. But I don't want it to be like the main thing from that NFL week. A lot of my friends disagree. Call me stupid. Call me an idiot. Call me other things that I can't really say on the radio if I want to keep my job. So I won't say them. But I guess I'm on an island there. But I don't. I kind of like bad games. Kind of like bad games. A bad appetizer doesn't ruin the meal. Bad football game on a Thursday. Doesn't ruin the rest of the week. All right. So Adam Silver, this is this is unbelievable. He maybe and look, right, commissioner obviously of the NBA. A lot of sports commissioners say a lot of dumb things. This may be the most ludicrous comment 
I have ever heard a sports commissioner make. You ready for this? It's about the All-Star game. It's about the NBA All-Star game and why it's not competitive and his goal to make it more competitive. So Adam Silver, this is a real, real quote from him. He talked to Anscape, which is like a subsidiary of ESPN. Legit network, legitimate quotes from the NBA commissioner on how to fix the NBA All-Star game to make it more competitive. Adam Silver, you ready for this? So that he talked to Chris Paul and his big solution to making this year's All-Star game and the future All-Star games more competitive is by limiting pregame introductions and lessening the break at halftime. That's right. That's no joke. I'm not pulling your leg here. I'm not being sarcastic. That is truly what the NBA commissioner concluded after talking to Chris Paul. By the way, he's not going to be another all-star game the rest of his career. I don't know why he's worried about this. But he talked with Chris Paul. And Chris Paul said, look, man, you want to take the game seriously. Pre-game intros are too long. Halftime's too long. We can't get in our normal flow. We can't treat this like a normal game with all these festivities going on. Bro, come on. What are we talking about? A 20-minute halftime versus a 10-minute halftime is not why no one's playing defense in the All-Star game. It's not why players are, are not taking it seriously. What are we talking about? That's the equivalent. If you talk to a couple getting a divorce, who won the one filing for a divorce says, you know what? I love my wife. But the fish Fridays, every Friday she makes fish. It stinks. I don't like fish. It doesn't cook it very well. And I got to sit with her the rest of the night. Just the smell just sits in there. I love her. I have no other fault with her. But damn it, those fish Fridays, they drew me to, drove me to, a, you know, uh, a point that I just can't come back from. We are getting divorced only because you cook fish every Friday. If I had my friend tell me that, I'll be honest. Like, hmm, sounds like there's more there. I don't think it's just the fish Fridays as to why you're going to file for divorce. Or if your friend tells you, I got fired for work. Oh, what'd you do? Bad performance? You steal anything? Like you talk back to your boss? Ah, just, you know, one too many times at the water cooler, you know, just, just, I went there three times, really the limits two. I went three, they fired me. Are we sure about that? We sure that it's the one extra visit to the water cooler that got you fired and not maybe, I don't know, your job performance or that you don't show up half the time or that you're not a very good worker or you talk back to your boss. Like, I think there's more to the surface as to why you're fired from your job than just, ah, one too many visits to the water cooler. Just like with Adam Silver here, there is more to why these athletes are not competing in the All-Star game than just, yeah, pregame intro is a little too long. Halftime, the halftime show, eh, a little too long for me. You know, 15-minute break, okay, no problem. 20-minute break, 25-minute break, I mean, how am I supposed to take this seriously? Are we, are we playing an NBA game here, or is this just, you know, uh, a concert that we're playing basketball in between? Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? This is not even an NBA-specific problem. No one participates in the All-Star game. Baseball is the only one that's figured it out, in part because you really can't half-ass baseball. The NFL has given up on playing the game. They've turned to flag football. 
Hockey, we always talk about the toughness, the grittiness of hockey players. They're not like NBA players. They play every night. They have broken legs. They play through that. They're tough. They, they love the game. Hockey All-Star game, I mean, they've, they've changed that format like 50 times to make it more entertaining. There's no defense. No one tries. It's All-Star games. No one tries in All-Star games in any sport. This is not an NBA problem, and shortening the pregame show and shortening the halftime entertainment is not going to make this all of a sudden next year a competitive game to make people care less. You want to know the real root of the problem? It has nothing to do with the players. We, the fans, are to blame. Us, as fans, are the reason why the NBA All-Star Game and the regular season is not taken seriously. What do we do as a society in sports fan, in any sport? We talk about what? Championships. We prioritize what you do in the playoffs over what you do in the regular season. We can get excited about how players look in the regular season, but if you don't play well in the postseason, that is a bigger red flag, and that overshadows anything you did. Even though, I mean, for football, right, it's three or four games. You play 17 regular season games, but we value, as a society, the three or four playoff games and what you do in that short period versus what you do in a 17-game regular season sample size. We care about two months of NBA postseason basketball Versus six months where you play every other night. Same thing with hockey. Baseball is one month. We prioritize in baseball 25 games over 162. We live, and I think we care, rightfully so. This is not a bad thing, by the way, because I view the same thing. I'm with everyone here in this in this thinking that we want championships. We want rings. We judge greatness based on how you perform in the biggest moments of the season which are in the postseason and in the Super Bowl finals, World Cup, uh, Stanley Cup, etc. We judge players currently and then also based in, in, in the realm of history, right, where they rank in the game, the great ones, on first things first, championships. The age-old Michael Jordan versus LeBron James debate. What is the first thing, the very first thing, Anyone defending MJ says when it comes to why he's greater than LeBron. Six rings. Go right to the ring, six for six. Not all-star game appearances. Not all-NBA teams. Defensive player of the year. Average points per game. Average points per game in the regular season. Championships. We call Tom Brady the GOAT. Why? Six rings. When we talk basketball, specifically, right? We talk about... Guys like MJ, LeBron, the rings they have. How about Charles Barkley? Great player. Hall of Fame player. What's the first thing you think of when it comes to Charles Barkley? The number zero. In terms of championships won. We judge greatness based on how many championships you won. We judge greatness in terms of teams on how many rings, how many championships they win. We as fans cannot have it both ways. We cannot say, hey, you better prioritize being your best in the postseason. We're going to judge you based on how many championships you win at the end of your career. And then we, so we can't put the focus on the playoffs, put the emphasis on the postseason, and then get upset when people, uh, I should say, when, when players are taking nights off and half assing in the All Star game. 
Because guess what? They are just reacting to what we are judging. Kawhi Leonard takes 30 games off a year to try to be at his peak in the postseason. Because he knows he's going to get judged ultimately by how many wings he how many rings he wins and how many how he plays in the postseason. So if he wants to sit out, sit out 30 games, I'm not going to get mad about it. I have no problem with load management. Because I think at the heart of load management is making sure these players are at their best come postseason time. And since we judge it so much, I can't be mad at that because it's us, the fans, that have kind of put these athletes to think that anyway. We can't have our cake and eat it too. We can't prioritize postseason performance and championships and then get upset with players half-assing it in a meaningless all-star game. We are to blame. And for Adam Silver, I'll tell you this, I promise you. Shorter pregame shows, shorter halftime shows, not the answer. 7-0 Panthers over the Bears. One more return. Is a Jim Harbaugh suspension enough of a punishment for Michigan? We'll discuss it. It's Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. 